The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour, your money. After the best November for the Dow since the 80s, what does it mean for the December setup? We debate that with our investment committee. And joining me for the hour today are Stephanie Link, Josh Brown, John Najarian, Surat Sethi. The first day of December, off to a strong start as we take a look at stocks. Higher across the board, S&P, NASDAQ, both hitting new record highs today. We are also monitoring, I should tell you, a couple of newsworthy events. The Treasury Secretary, the Fed Chair on the Hill for their quarterly CARES Act testimony. There's a live look in. We'll monitor that for you. The president-elect also introducing his economic team today. We expect to hear from Joe Biden at the bottom of the hour and his Treasury Secretary nominee, Janet Yellen, the former Fed Chair. We'll take that live as well. First, though, let's turn to the markets, the rally to begin the final stretch of the year. Josh Brown, turn to you. I mentioned the Dow. Best month since 87, S&P best month since April, the Russell best month ever, semis best month since October of 03, energy best month since April, industrials best month since 09. There's a lot of momentum coming into December. Yeah, it, look, I, I think a lot of people are saying this, and, and I, I actually agree with it, and I hate to go along with conventional wisdom, but right now it seems as though the biggest risk is that everyone's already bullish and, and there aren't that many people left to buy. If you go on like financial social media, oh, you find right. all the bears, but like in, in real life, people are in. So regardless of what they might be saying publicly. So I think like right now, that's probably the big risk is that things are a little bit too good. You've got this great setup into next year with earnings growing, the vaccine being distributed. In London, they'll be giving it out as soon as Monday. I don't think we'll be that far behind. I think that'll be a change in mindset, looking at the travel stocks just going bonkers. And then I'm seeing leadership from places, Scott, where you haven't seen in a long time. Some select financials have charts that look like they're cloud computing stocks. Look at Bank of America, Capital One, and Discover Financial, uh, BAC, COF, DFS. These stocks look amazing. Um, airlines and cruises look like they want to run. Take a look at Wynn and that group. Looks the best technically. And then Ford and GM are industrial leadership stocks right alongside Uber. Like if you looked at the three of them and you didn't know what they did, you would just say, wow, uh, the, these all look like, uh, <clears throat> like tech stocks. So it's been a really long time since you've seen that. And I don't know why, like, you would want to fight against it. Like, wh why not just let it happen and be a part of it? Yes. So, uh, I think that that's what the mentality should be for, for investors right now. All good points. Steph, I, I could have mentioned the financials as well on my list. I just got tired of going down the list of all of the sectors that have had the best month since 03, 08, whenever. Financials have their best month since April 09. Now, to Josh's point, okay, Ed Yardeni today wonders, are there too many bulls? He's bullish, but so is everyone else, he says. And to that point, Tom Lee is out today saying that history suggests 
a 100% probability of December gains since 1945, Tom Lee says. December is up 100% of the time when the S&P is up 10 to 15% year to date. And that's where we are now. Unless a bear market starts next month, he says, December looks like it will be a very strong finish to 2020. That's where we are, Steph. Yeah, so the, the sell side, I think, is very bold up. I'm not sure about the buy side, number one. And number two, there's $4 trillion of cash in money markets. And so the consumer actually has some money to spend. And so to Josh's point, we did make vaccine progress, and that's going, from an investment point of view. That is going to lead to better earnings growth. That is going to lead to better GDP growth. And we are starting to price that in. But guess what? We're already starting to see really good economic data, and we have been from for the last couple of months. Single-family homes sold but not started is up 92% year over year. Even though the ISM here disappointed because relative to expectation, it's still very, very high. New orders are actually very, very high, which is very positive. It's a leading indicator. And there's probably more coming if you look at, you know, Yellen and Powell, the combination, whether it's a combination or not, we got Yellen. And so we know there's more coming and that's very encouraging, too. So I don't know why you want to fight this. I, I'm not fighting it. I think maybe you want to tweak your portfolio a little bit. I'm a little nervous that everyone's talking about cyclicals when they weren't back in April, May and June when I was. But I still think that the operating leverage on the cyclical side, if you see better growth and better margins, will be very powerful for those those stocks and those sectors. Sometimes, Steph, it just takes other people to see the same light that you did back in June and July. <laughs> That's just the way it yeah, is sometimes. Well, you got to stay humble. <laughs> yeah. um, Dr. J, you can have both of these things living together. I mean, yeah, everybody can be bullish. Um, okay. You know, irrational exuberance lasted for four years since Alan Greenspan said it. Tom Lee sure. says history's on everybody's side. If you're bullish, this market stocks are going up because of the gains we've we've witnessed already year to date. And as Steph just said, it's hard to fight the landscape. Yeah, it is hard to fight the landscape, Scott, and I'm not recommending fighting the landscape. I'm also always recommending to any of the folks that follow Pete's work and my work that we're always taking positions down. In other words, we're trimming as you have these monstrous gains. Uh, obviously, the outperformance of small caps in November was astonishing. You know what? A near 19.5% return just in that month, and many stocks far better than that. Like, you know, again, take a look at Tesla. Uh, not exactly a small cap stock, Scott, but <coughs> there are plenty of examples of Scott's the uh, stock, Scott, that just exploded to the upside, I think it's a good idea to be trimming. You have to have the same discipline on taking profits that you do on uh, cutting losses. On the other hand, uh, looking out into, the, as Josh said, as early as next week when vaccines start uh, being delivered in the UK and perhaps the rest of Europe, San, uh, California, which we know is exploding with COVID cases, is nonetheless, Governor Newsom said, 320,000 doses of uh, the uh, Pfizer vaccine are on their way to California right now for the emergency use. So that doesn't mean they roll out next week. It doesn't mean that everybody in California is No, but you know they're coming, fine. right? You're making but a it point. it means that there's hope. Right, that's right. Hope, yes. Right? There's, a, there's light, hope. a light at the end of the tunnel. But what about this idea, Doc, that Steph says it's a little unnerving, that it seems like now everybody loves 
the cyclical stocks and the reopened stocks. <laughs> is, is that an issue or are we, are, are, should we be worried about that? Well, uh, the very nature of those stocks, Scott, is that uh, the amount of money that it takes to move Apple is somewhat extraordinary, of course. And yet we still see Apple making 2 and 3% moves. That same money, if it's going into small cap stocks, Scott, results in 8 and 10% moves, if not a lot bigger than that, just because of the size and because there's just not as much uh, available as there is in the case of an Apple or a Microsoft or a Facebook. So the fact that people might be focusing more on these cyclicals that Steph talked about back in June, the fact that they're focusing on that and putting money into those stocks, it only takes about a quarter or so of the amount of focus and money flowing into those, Scott, to lift those stocks into double digits. I hear you, but... As it uh, takes for those big caps. I hear you, but Surat, right? I mean, it's energy, materials... <laughs> industrials and financials all having the best month since April 09 in many cases in energy uh, of this April because of the comeback uh, materials October of 2015 is the boat too crowded I don't think so Scott I mean I think the point that's been made is on the buy side you really haven't had a lot of people come into these kind of value cyclical areas that Steph and I have been hanging out with and it takes a little to move it, as John said, but I think there is some way to go because if you look at how far they fell, they're still coming back, and a lot of them aren't even in positive territory for the year considering kind of where the rest of the market is. But I do think you've got this cash coming in on the sideline, and it is going to this barbell strategy of growth where you're seeing kind of the fangs and, 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 and some of the, the growthy stocks getting the money. So it's not this complete rotation out. And in the meantime, you're getting to an area where people just didn't have any cash. I mean, you're going through March, April, May, June, and, and a lot of investors said, until we see something, I don't want to be touching cyclicals. I don't want to be touching financials. And I think you're starting to see a little about that, and that's just moving it up a little bit. This is going to be one of the biggest, maybe, questions of the next 30 days, at, at least, of the FANG stocks that we're looking at right now after being somewhat anemic for a while whether they get now this second wind or they take a bit of a back seat to a lot of those cyclical stocks that we've been talking about let's bring in jonathan krinsky he's one of the foremost technicians on the street a lot of people pay attention to his work baycrest partners of course jonathan welcome back thanks scott good to be here good to see you you say fang plus is quote coiled ready to break out of consolidation after doing nothing since the summer Yes, yeah, so let's, let's go back. I think we were on with you uh, a few months ago in, in early September when we were coming off kind of a, a bit of a parabolic blow-off in the NASDAQ, and we just thought the risk-reward wasn't quite there for a lot of these mega-cap names, and since then, a lot of them have just traded water. They've been dead money for the last three months, and in the midst of that, we had, as, you, as your prior guests have mentioned, we've seen some, some massive rallies. Uh, in other parts of the market. So small caps outperformed the NASDAQ 100 by about 20% over that time. Now, I think you're starting to see uh, mega cap tech and these FANG names start to reassert their leadership. So we're seeing Apple, we're seeing Amazon, we're seeing Netflix, the old, uh, the old FANG names. Again, they have bided their time well, they corrected through time, and now they're starting to break out of these bases. And we think uh, you know, that bodes well as we head into the final month of the year for these areas. Yeah. Hey, Josh, um, Jonathan Krinsky says, okay, buy Apple here, buy Amazon here, Netflix and Facebook, uh, buy Activision and Electronic Arts and Take-Two and Nintendo and Biotechs too. 
Hold on. Give John a chart of alphabet. This one's already gone. Fresh breakout. Like, how is this not going to 2,000? This is 35 times earnings, seven times sales, reasonable in, in tech terms. And this stock broke out on November 4th. It's, it's, it retested, too. Yes, there, there, there's a lot of stocks that have gone uh, sideways. And, and Google actually um, had, had a breakout before a lot of the other ones, as did Tesla. So we actually think Tesla's a little bit different. That's, that's probably um, already been exploited from its range breakout. Um, Google looks, looks good to us, but I think the, you know, the areas that still have yet to be exploited on the upside are, are more like the Facebooks and Netflix and, and even Amazon that um, you know, really just, just haven't done anything for three months. Steph, what do you think about Krinsky's call here? Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Facebook, Activision, uh, Electronic Arts, Take Two, Nintendo, XBI, IBB. Yeah, I mean, I, I own quite a bit of them, <laughs> um, so I'm glad to hear that they're poised to break out. But, you know, all of these companies have what the consumer is looking for, what they want, right? I mean, Google, it's search and YouTube and Estee Lauder, it's, it's, it's skincare and it's cosmetics and Nike, it's the digital transformation. So there's a lot of these names that you can look at and, uh, and you can understand why they should go higher because they are secular growers. And this is what I've been arguing all along. You want to own some of them because the end market growth, the total addressable market opportunities for these companies is well, maybe we lost Steph for a second. Uh, Jonathan Krinsky, where's this money coming from? Is it fresh money that's on the sidelines, or are we having a rotation from some of the cyclical money out and then into the FANG Plus? You know, I'm glad you brought that up because today is a perfect example. I think we're starting to lose some of the uh, stay-at-home reopen on-off switch, if you will. So throughout much of, of the summer and, and even into early fall, it was a, you know, you come in as today a, a stay-at-home day, and you'd have, you know, all the high-growth software names up, and you'd have the airlines and, and travel names down, or vice versa. And today's a perfect example. We're starting to see uh, both areas work together. You have Netflix and Amazon both up strong today, but you also have the cruise lines and the casinos and the hotel names up 2 to 3% today. So I think that on-off switch is, is coming down, which, which we view as, as constructive. Um, so that would suggest that it is uh, a bit of maybe fresh money coming in. Um, you know, it could be a bit of money coming out of, of other areas of the market. We've seen gold sell off the last couple of weeks. We're seeing uh, bonds sell off the last couple of weeks. So um, it could be a bit of that. But I, I think on the surface, I, I think it's constructive that we're getting away from the, is it a stay-at-home day or is it a reopen day? Yeah, it would be nice to not have that conversation anymore. John and Jerry, <laughs> uh, what about these stocks that we threw out here from Jonathan Krinsky? Well, I, I, of course, agree with Jonathan, and I think they should be a core part of virtually everybody's portfolio, Scott, um, because these stocks will continue to thrive in almost any market. Yeah, they pulled forward some of their uh, some of the demand when you're looking at an Apple, for instance. Um, but how about a Microsoft, Scott? Uh, look at what they've done as they addressed things like we talked about earlier, about Slack, about any of the competition coming from elsewhere. They just went after uh, these competitors and added it in to what they already offer. So um, did they get stronger during this? Absolutely. Uh, was it just the lockdown? No. They actually you know, looked around at what people were what their customer base was demanding, 
what their customer base was uh, rotating over to in the case of some of these other software plays, Scott. And they said, well, we can do that. Here you go. And as they get better and better at this, as Google gets better and better um, with Meet, not just Microsoft Teams, but Meets and things like that, you're going to see these guys continue to thrive. Uh, and that's going to draw an awful lot of uh, additional dollars in 2021. Yeah. Uh, good stuff. Jonathan, thank you. And um, congratulations. New dad, right? How hope your wife, Asher, everybody doing well? Yes, sir. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate it. All right. You guys be well. We wish you a good holiday season. We'll, I'm sure we'll talk to you before the end of the year. That's Jonathan Krinsky joining us there. Let's talk more about um, tech because it raises some interesting questions when you look at not just the fangs, but Josh Brown, a name like Zoom, which you own, which has been one of the biggest beneficiaries of the pandemic. And that company is seeing moderating growth. And I wonder if we have to start now planning for others to see the same thing as the pandemic gets longer and longer into the tooth and you can see a light at the end of the tunnel. So the quarterly reported last night, there was no sign of moderation in their growth at all. And not only did they smash expectations by an almost, an almost embarrassing amount, they actually raised guidance by an equally embarrassing amount going forward. So I'm not sure what you mean by growth is moderating. It's not. If you're talking about share price growth, well, that's another story. If you pull back this chart far enough, it's still actually in an uptrend, even though it's 27% off its high. I'm in gains of over 500% given how long I've owned it. I have no plans to sell it. There are almost no companies on earth that you could think of that are in the position that Zoom is in for future growth. Um, will they be able to have you know, 500, 600% uh, growth in user base. Obviously not, you run out of human beings, but they're in the early stages of monetizing this incredible platform that they've built. And the, the vastness of their user base cannot be overstated. Uh, they really have created the Google of video communication um, and, and they do deserve a lot of the, the gains that you've seen in, in market cap here. So I agree with what Jonathan said. I don't think we're going to play this on-off game anymore. I hated it in 2011 when we were doing this about, you know, European sovereign debt. And I hated it this year, vaccine on, vac vaccine off, or reopen on real. Uh, Lucian Hooper, who was a columnist for Forbes in the 1970s, said, uh, as soon as you find the key to the market, they change the locks. If you thought that was the game that you were going to play, buy the software stocks when there was bad virus news, and then buy uh, Starbucks when there was good vaccine news. How much longer did you really think that was going to go? So I'm with him on that. I think stocks are going to trade on their own merits, and Zoom's got a lot of merit. Okay. Um, I'm just going to give you more information on the, on the moderation of, of growth, which is undeniable if you look at the metrics of customers with over 10 employees of Zoom, which is an important group. A 17% increase quarter to quarter compared with a 40% growth rate from the prior period. Obviously, 17% right. is good, but it ain't 40. And it's moderating yeah. somewhat. And that's what I was referring to if you wanted to know where I got my information you run from. Out of you, run out, you run out of school districts and corporations at a certain point. You can't, you can't, grow, you can't grow at a certain pace realistically given the amount of population there is on planet Earth. Like, that's the thing that Facebook has run into. So the question is, what is the pace of monetizing that? They're just getting started. 
There was nothing moderate at all about revenue growth, earnings growth, and there was nothing moderate about the increase in guidance to those things. So we can argue what that's worth in the market, and did the stock get ahead of itself? Obviously, I think it did. Um, but if you're a long-term investor, show me another platform that's been built in the last couple of years that has this much potential in terms of earnings and revenue growth. There really aren't many. Shopify, Zoom, I would argue PayPal. Are there others? I'm not sure. So when you've got something this unique, I think the valuation, uh, maybe it doesn't make perfect sense, but it makes more sense than you would otherwise think. But are there others, John, in that, in that stratosphere that need to be more heavily scrutinized or maybe don't need to be, but will be, by investors who look at and try and look for excuses or whatever they're seeing today in Zoom that causes a 13% sell down in the stock? Absolutely, Scott. Uh, and, you know, you're seeing this bleeding over, for instance, over in uh, DocuSign, which is going to have earnings coming out. Um, so there are folks that are thinking, well, maybe the trees don't grow to the sky. Um, they're worried that even if you are, you know, the, one of the best movers in the space, not the first mover, because there's been log me in and a host of other uh, basically meeting softwares that have been out there, many of them free offerings as well. But Zoom became ubiquitous and it became like Kleenex and Xerox. But I'd point out that uh, those are not leaders uh, right now. Uh, when you look at a, a Zoom, you worry whether or not it's um, the next MySpace. I mean, is it the next MySpace? It could be. And then again, you know, you could be a true believer like Josh and hold on to it the whole time. I would say uh, that I think with competitors as well healed as Microsoft and Google going after you hard, that Zoom is going to be struggling to stay with corporations. Now, maybe it becomes something that people use for free uh, forever. Uh, and maybe they're able to be ad supported or whatever it might take to get there. But as far as corporate use, institutional use, I think Google and Microsoft are much better positioned for that, Scott. And that's why I use that. Have you ever used their products? Yes, I have. Have you have you ever used their products? And you and you think I've that used both, the, the edge that Zoom has technologically isn't obvious because I use them all, too. I don't think it's obvious. I don't think it's obvious at all. I mean, I've, I've used LogMeIn, I've used uh, Google Meet, I've used Microsoft Teams. I think there, there are pluses and minuses of all of those, but I think Zoom just had the first mover as far as getting out into the population, not necessarily getting into the paying population of the institutions, Josh. That's what I worry about. What Zoom did that, for whatever bizarre reason, Skype never figured out, Citrix never figured out with, with GoToMeeting. Like you've had all these other possible competitors that for some reason it didn't occur to them, just make it a link that you could send people and it'll go viral. That's what Zoom figured out. The other thing they figured out is they've had a lot of the technology building uh, of the platform in China where it was much cheaper um, as opposed to trying to build that all out here, which is the road that Slack took, which is why um, Zoom has had better margins all this time. Those are, to me, the two Achilles heels that these other platforms will figure out making joining a meeting as simple as clicking on a URL and that now the cost of building this technology will go up and margins could... could. Those are the two things I'd worry about. I would not worry about the ubiquity of Zoom or the fact that its user interface makes Google look like an embarrassment 
and certainly blows away anything Microsoft has had to offer. Um, the user interface on Skype hasn't changed in 15 years, for example. So I think they do have a substantial uh, lead in technology and in user interface and mm -hmm. obviously in user growth. And I've been hearing the competition story on things like Netflix for a long time. People were saying there's no reason Taco Bell can't beat up Chipotle. I hate that argument. It, it almost always doesn't work for investors. So, so I wouldn't worry about that part of the story. You, you do have, have Steph. Steph is on the phone now, uh, by the way. I hope you can hear Hi. me. All right, no, no I worries. Technology is technology's, technology's fault, not yours, Steph. She um, should Zoom. This is kind of a, I know, right? This is kind of a, a moment of truth week, if you will, for some of these names, okay? You get Box mm -hmm. later today. You've got CrowdStrike and Okta, Zscaler, and Snowflake on Wednesday. Thursday, DocuSign, Cloudera. You have Salesforce today after the bell. Benioff, by the way, on with Jim tonight on Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern time only on CNBC. Wanted to promote that. Don't miss that. Uh, all right, Steph. So talk to me about what's at stake with some of those names, even though you may not own many of them. I know you own Salesforce. And how those go may dictate how some other parts of the market may go as well. Well, I mean, I think, by the way, back to the Zoom conversation, I mean, it was price perfection, right? I mean, it's still up a 506% year-to-date, and it had to be a picture-perfect quarter, and it was not a picture-perfect quarter if you look at gross margins and the guidance for gross margins. They're going to have to send a lot more people to convert the free users, and that is why I think people are disappointed today. That said, uh, this is absolutely a, a secular growth stock. You want to pick your spots. I'm not comfortable with the valuation, but I get why it's down today, but I also get why it's up so much. In terms of these other names, they're up just as, not just as much, but CrowdStrike up 201% year over year, uh, or year to date, DocuSign up almost 200, Zscaler, all these stocks have had such a nice run, so they could take a breather. I think actually Salesforce is a different animal. It's only up 44% year to date. I mean, I say only, kind of kidding. But, um, and even though expectations are high because it's up 30% from last quarter, I do think that the quarter will be very strong. And this is one I want to buy if it is weak because they are the leader in SaaS cloud. And I can get my hands around 11 times price to sales kind of evaluation. I kind of can't get my hands around some of these other names. So if they take a breather because they sell on the news, you want to pick your spot. Um, and, and Salesforce is going to be uh, the one that I do if it is weak, especially into Dreamforce, which is on December 2nd tomorrow, and their analysts say on the 8th of December, which should be catalyst for the stock. Josh, I want to hit you on a stock real quick before we take a break. It's called Appian Corp. You mentioned it on our show uh, a couple of weeks back on the 19th. Um, we had a viewer email or, or um, tweet us today who said that you mentioned uh, Appian Corp last week. It suffered a massive pullback in the last 48 hours. Do you still like it long term? Now, it is still up double digits, 18% or so since you mentioned it on the show. But how about now? I just wanted to squeeze it in here while we're talking about some of these, I don't own it. these names. I don't own it. I used it. I don't own it. I used it as an example of a tech small cap that no one's talking about that was uh -huh. breaking out. I have, no, I have no position, but I would point out, I mentioned it at like 100. It went to 170, like within the next week or so. So I don't know where this person bought it. I have no position in Appian. It was being used as an example of a technical breakout. Yeah, my bad. I, th I thought you bought it at the time, but you did mention it, which is why I wanted to go over it since somebody no. reached out to us today and wanted your opinion on it. They don't mention whether they bought it or not. Uh, Shane Felling is the, the gentleman's okay. name and, and a viewer of ours and a loyal one at that. I uh, just wanted to know how you feel about it going forward. All right, let's do this. I may, I may buy it, but I, n I never did, and I have no current position, um, but it is an example of a small cap that had a massive breakout. 
And if you go back and look at that chart, obviously it did. All right. Good stuff. Thanks for clarifying that for me. President-elect Joe Biden set to introduce his economic team. We'll go live to that once it starts, plus Wall Street's favorite 10 stocks as we enter the last trading month of 2020. We're back in two. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one, which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit odfl.com. Old Dominion, helping the world keep promises. I'm Dominic Chu, and here is your CNBC News update at this hour. Show me your hands! Show me your hands! This is police body cam video following a home invasion robbery in Florida. Three men tried to escape after being surrounded by the police. The suspects also face kidnapping charges for tying up some of their alleged victims. In Iran, members of parliament shouting death to America and death to Israel after the killing of a top nuclear scientist. They had just voted in favor of a bill to increase uranium enrichment as a response to what Iranian officials say was an assassination by Israeli forces. COVID-19 isn't the only global health crisis. Today is World AIDS Day. The World Health Organization says new infections are down, but there were still 38 million people living with AIDS in 2019, and one in five were not aware of their infection. And in Japan, the return of a symbol of hope. The Olympic rings have been reinstalled in Tokyo Bay. They were removed four months ago for maintenance. The games are scheduled to take place next summer. That is our CNBC News update at this hour. Scott, back over to you guys. Yet something else to look forward to. Dom Chu, thank you very much. All right, Surat, let's talk some stocks. You're making some moves here. You bought Charter and you sold Discovery. So take me through both, the thought process. Sure. So uh, what Discovery, our thesis really didn't work out. It was kind of the value play in content. They do have great content, but they just weren't able to get their content distributed across the different channels. And when we looked at it and said, you know, what's, where do we want to be in the next couple of years? It just wasn't something that had any catalyst or any real growth, just a cash flow machine without growth. Charter, on the other hand, has great broadband, great cable provider, really great management team. They run their businesses really well. And we think you know the secular growth story here of, of more people using broadband, more people using uh, the internet, they're gonna make more margins and, and, and really it's a payoff debt story and a growth secular story on that. Okay, I mentioned before the break that uh, CNBC Pro, they've done a screen and they have Wall Street's favorite 10 stocks heading into December. You can go to cnbc.com to check that out. So. They have, you have to have at least 50% of analysts with buy ratings and the most upside to the target ranked by upside to a 12-month price target. The top 10, including Dexcom, Newmont Corp, NRG Energy, Centene, Diamondback Energy, Boston Scientific, EOG Resources, Regeneron, give me two Regenerons, CarMax, and Pulte Group. That's the top 10. 
CarMax is also on that list. TJX is on that list. That is Stephanie Link, your newest position in TJX. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it's flat on the year, and they had a really good quarter. In fact, all the off-pricers had a better-than-expected quarter, and they saw all three of them actually saw improving sales. Sales last quarter, 2Q, down 39%. Sales on average for the three uh, off-pricers only down about 6 or 7%. So things are definitely improving. It's a reopened stock, though. It's got to be um, you know, a recovery kind of story, and you have to believe in that. But I do believe in the treasure hunt. I do believe TJ is the best of the, of the bunch. Um, the gross margins were phenomenal. They beat by 300 basis points in the quarter. And, oh, by the way, it's an off-way uh, play on housing because home goods obviously is a big part of the, total, of the revenue uh, story as well. And they had comps of almost 19% at home goods. So I like that story a lot, and I'm glad it's on the list. John Nigerian, CarMax is in the top 10, which you own. You have 76.5% mm-hmm. of analysts on Wall Street with a buy rating on that stock. Yeah, like this one, Scott, for a whole host of reasons. Obviously, uh, CarMax and uh, a lot of the uh, automotive plays have done exceedingly well during the shutdown because people didn't want to go on public transportation, among other things. And low interest rates doesn't hurt them either, Scott. That's why I like Pulte and uh, CarMax on that list. I think you could hold both well into 2021 and see very nice uh, alpha out of each of those two stocks. Josh, you own Nvidia, not in the top 10, nonetheless it is it, nonetheless it is on the extended list, but also opine on Deer, yeah. which you used to own way back when. That's on the list. McDonald's is on the extended list as well. What I like about lists like this, Scott, is that they're bringing you ideas from like so many different sectors. And I think, that's, I think that's just an important principle in general. Like investors like often don't know where to start and they think, I'll just trade the stocks everyone else is trading. But when they do that on an app, it's all tech stocks. So I like that you're seeing the Deers and the McDonald's on here. And just as a general principle, um, I think it's important to focus on things like what are analyst expectations? But I don't know that that would ever be the singular reason that I would buy a stock, yeah. that it's distant from a price target. You know what I mean? Like I, I do like the idea, though, of looking at names where earnings growth and earnings estimates continue to rise. And so I guess that's why NVIDIA um, is on that list. Yeah. All right. Um, again, you can see that full list. You go to CNBC Pro to do that at CNBC.com slash pro. Coming up, John's latest unusual activity trades. Those are next. First, let me take you to the Wall Street. The S&P sector is green across the board. S&P up just shy of 48, a little more than 47, one and a third percent. Led today, communication services, financials, technology, utilities, with staples and the caboose. Halftime's back after this. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, 
drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. It's time for Unusual Activity. John Najarian, we turn to you first for Micron. Tell us about Micron number one. All right, Scott, it's up 34% in the last 30 days. Just an astonishing run. And it burned right through that 65 strike in the December option, Scott. And now they're rolling up to the 70 strike in December. So these are about two weeks and three days into the future, Scott. That's how much time you've got to be right here. So I like buying an at-the-money call here, perhaps the 68s and selling those 70s. For, for the other folks that just want to take that shot, buying the 70s is what an awful lot of people are doing. 28,000 of those have changed hands so far today. Second trade, take a look at Themex. Uh, this one with the stock at about $4.80, $4.85. They're buying the January 550 calls. So I'll be in this trade about a full month rather than just a couple weeks. And I love that upside here. One of those infrastructure plays Depending when that money starts flowing, Scott, these guys are going to do exceedingly well. So I like that play as well. Did you and Pete do that at the same time? I, I think I talked to Pete about Semex was, uh, maybe yesterday. Or I don't know, the days run together, but yeah. it sure was recently. <laughs> yeah, and I've been along this one for uh, since I think about October 28th or thereabouts, Scott. We saw unusual activity in it. It's been moving up. It's one of those plays that after the election and the dust settled, we thought these guys, um, Vale and Freeport, would do well. All three have. All right, gotcha. Good stuff. Thank you, Doc. Up next, the trades on a few big analyst calls of the day. And as we go to break, before that, take a check on the Dow 30 heat map. Got a little bit of red creeping in. We're not at the highs of the day. It's still a good one. Up 237 for the Dow, 29,877. We're back right after this quick break. Welcome back. Let's do some calls of the day now. Shares of FedEx hitting an all-time high today. Upgraded to overweight at Barclays. They cite favorable risk-reward. All right. Stephanie Link, you say, <laughs> I'm quoting here, this is what you told the producers, this is, quote, a ridiculous call, <laughs> says somebody who owns UPS and XPO. Tell me why well, it's a ridiculous call. Well, it's a late call. I mean, it's up 93% year-to-date. And it now, all of a sudden, trades at a three-multiple-point <laughs> premium to UPS. Look, UPS is a 46%, so it's not exactly undiscovered as well. Of the three, XPO is the laggard. So if you wanted to try to find a laggard in the logistics space, this, that's the one. But I still like UPS very much. New management, cost-cutting initiatives. Again, the discount to FedEx has a two-and-a-half yield and uh, very strong liquidity. I think that's the better play from here, but I'd be very careful of owning these stocks in a big way in the first quarter because they usually struggle mightily in terms of keeping up with demand and having higher costs 
over the holiday season. So you want to be very careful to right-size these positions, I think, into the first quarter. And I know I will be doing so. Is Steph too cautious, Josh Brown, on where FedEx can go? Well, she makes a good point that, like, you're basically coming in after every possible positive for next year might already be reflected. But technically, I still think it's going much higher. And this is not a comment on whether or not it's better than UPS. I'm just telling you, in terms of price action, uh, I don't see any reason not to be in this name. And what I would do is I would go back and use the January 18 level as my stop loss, which uh, is about 270. So you're taking 20 points in risk on a $300 stock. Um, and I guess my question to Stephanie would be, when they come back with the buyback that had been suspended this year, would you rather be in FedEx or not in FedEx? Well, I'm not crazy about FedEx buying back their stock up 93% year-to-date anyway, right? So, I mean, that's not the best use. I'd rather them increase the dividend. It's a paltry, small, very div- uh, yield, dividend yield, especially relative to UPS. And UPS has a lot more that they can do, a much better balance sheet. And I do think Carol Tomei, who ran, uh, she was CFO, rather, of Home Depot for many years, I think she is uh, lights out in terms of running this company. And there's a lot of fat that she is going to continue to cut. That's why I want to own that one over FedEx. Okay, that's a good debate. PayPal, Surratt, price target goes to 290 from 270 at Mizuho. You own PayPal. I do own it, and I, I really love the secular growth story. I, I love the whole idea of Venmo. I like the idea that people are using more and more cashless, where that's the society we're going to. And I think this company has just started, you know, kind of going back to Josh's point on Zoom, we really haven't seen too many more, you know, the, the, the big addressable market here is huge. And to monetize a lot of this, I think, is going to be in the future. And I think it's a core holding in everybody's stock. All right. Bernstein today, they initiate online travel agencies and the calls are mixed. John and Jerry, and I'm coming to you. OK, booking holdings, they go underperform. Mm-hmm. 1720 is the price target. One thousand seven hundred and twenty dollars is their target. Expedia gets a market perform. No big whoop. One hundred thirteen dollars is the price target. TripAdvisor is the one they like the best. They go outperform, and $35 is the target. And that's a pretty big upside from where the stock is now, more than 25%. What do you think? Well, I like all three, Scott, but I do like TripAdvisor the most of that group. Uh, And that's because the social aspect of it, the communication between people when they're on TripAdvisor looking, uh, you know, we all know that some of these uh, posts on the internet, whether it's on Yelp or TripAdvisor, are somewhat suspect at times. But nonetheless, there's a lot of people that like going back and forth with that to check out exactly who is saying what about this hotel, about this vacation they were on or whatever. So of those three, TripAdvisor, I like the, the engine behind all of it, Scott, which is Sabre, and I talked about that one last week for Unusual, and I still own that. I feel like Josh wants to make a comment, so I'm going to let him. All right. No, I just pictured Doc... I just pictured Dr. J reading Yelp reviews and, and arguing with them out loud because he's, he's been all over the world. He's probably stayed at every hotel on that site. So. That's true. That's true. All right. We have more trades straight ahead. Before the break, I want you to take a look at some of the stocks hitting new highs today on this first trading day of December. Lamb Research, Applied Materials, and Nike. We'll be right back.
It's time for the Futures Outlook. Platinum is higher alongside the other metals today, and our next guest sees more upside ahead. With us now, Bill Baruch of Blue Line Futures. Hey, Bill, gold's getting a lot of the, the, the talk for obvious reasons, but what about platinum? Thanks, Judge. Yeah, platinum was up 14% in November when gold was down 5%. The World Platinum Council said that there could be a supply deficit next year. And guess what? The U.S. dollar keeps going lower. It's going to bring a tailwind to, com- to commodities. We're going to see as, as well China continue to stack their reserves. And then this new uh, administration with the green initiatives is all a tailwind for, for platinum. I think 1200 to 1300 is in the cards. And how am I going to trade it? I, I'm looking at 990 as a pullback, as a buying opportunity. I'll put a stop at 945, risking 2250 bucks. Upside is $1,190. That would be a $10,000 gain. I think that could be in the cards as, as platinum breaks out of a 10-year downtrend. Good stuff. We'll talk to you soon. Bill Baruch, Blue Line Futures, thank you very much. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll do final trades next. All right, welcome back. We'll get to final trades in just a minute. Josh, I want to go through one more upgrade with you, if I could. Charles Schwab. I know you don't currently own it, but those who follow you in don't always follow you out. Wells Fargo upgraded it to overweight today. What do you think about Schwab? I, I like it. I, I understand the upgrade, and I think they have it exactly right. Schwab, basically, the business is premised on how much they'll make from money market funds. If the Fed keeps rates low, which we think they will, and you get this steepening in the intermediate to long-term yields, Schwab makes more money than any other of their competitors in the space. Like, it's better for them than anyone. So it's a play on the reopening is, is the right way to phrase it, and they have. Um, and, and, I think, uh, and I think it could work. Okay. Thank you for that. Surat, let's do final trades, and you can start us off. Uh, Chevron. I like Chevron. I think it's down 27% for the year, but it was up 26 for the last month. Great balance sheet, almost 6% dividend yield. I think you, you own this on the reopening. And everybody's talking energy these days. Pete, I think John was, was uh, saying Exxon is a new position for him. So that seems to be the way to go uh, after what's been a good month, obviously, for energy. Dr. J, what do you got? I got uh, Under Armour, Scott. One of our favorite stocks collectively. I think we like talking about it. And now with the Steph Curry branded shoe coming out and branded uh, uh, retail apparel, I think this is a killer for them. I bought it during the show. All right. Good stuff. We like when things happen during the show. Uh, Stephanie Link on the phone. Final trade from you, please. Wyndham Destinations. It's a smaller cap company in the hospitality space, but they have a recurring revenue model, solid free cash flow, strong liquidity, and a 3% dividend yield, which they're committed to. So I like this company, quality, good name on sale. All right. Playing a little bit more for the reopen as well. Josh Brown, you're last, but not least. Did you happen to notice new all-time high in Uber today? That stock's going much higher. I think it's a $100 billion market cap at least from here. All right. Good I would stuff. stay long. I am long. Good stuff, everybody. Thank you. The exchange is now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.